Faith tonight, I want to talk about faith. Uh, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. The assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. We know that verse by heart. It's Hebrews 11, chapter 1. And we, we know it, we say it, and we claim it, and we believe it. But yet there's times when our faith may not always live up to it. If I had a faith meter in my hand and I was to walk around this auditorium and I was to scan everybody like you're going through the airport with a metal detector, there would be some that would have a lot of faith today. And there would be some that would have adequate faith for today. And then there would be some that just had just a little bit of faith today. The attitude of having faith, the attitude of trust, the attitude of belief and confidence that the, that, that the Bible teaches us is not, uh, is not something that we, we obtain without help, okay? In Ephesians 2, God tells us, the Bible tells us that that faith is a gift. It's a gift of God to have faith. Um, you know, no matter how much faith we have, we never reach uh, the point to where we're self-sufficient. I was talking about this in my Sunday school class Sunday morning. You know, you just wish that you could get to a point to where you could say, I've arrived. But you never get to that point. Something always pops up. Something always creeps up. Something always comes up, and it kind of knocks your knees out from under you. You know, faith's not like money. We can't just store it in a bank. If we don't use it today, we store it in the bank for a rainy day. Faith doesn't work like that, okay? We grow in our faith each day through obstacles, through opportunities, through, through problems, through troubles. Whatever, whatever we, face, we face, we grow through we grow in our faith every day. So growing in our faith is a constant renewing daily, okay? And we can only do that through our knowledge and our love and our, our fellowship with, with Jesus. One of my favorite examples of this constant process of uh, daily renewal is found in Mark 9. Uh, and I love this story, and y'all know this story, and I'm not going to read the story to you, but I'm going to tell you just the first part, and I'm going to read you the last verse. The father brought his son, who was demon-possessed, to the disciples to be healed. He, since birth, he had had, uh, he had, had seizures, okay? And the seizures, sometimes the, the, the demon-possessed boy would be cast into the fire. He'd be cast into the water. The, de the demon was trying to kill him. Uh, the disciples prayed and prayed and prayed, and they could not remove the demon from the boy, okay? Uh, and finally, Jesus walks up. And the father immediately cries out, Teacher, if you can, help us. And Christ looks at him, and, and if we look at Mark 9, 22, in the, last set of that, in the last part of that verse, in 22 through 24, it says, But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Jesus replied, If you can, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. You know, I wonder today if a lot of us are not like the Father. I know I am. I believe, okay? I believe what that book says. What I need is I need, to, I need God to help me with my unbelief because there's days that I struggle. 
a lot of times we, we come upon situations to where that, that faith meter is not reading very high and it's, it's reading kind of low. And we need extra faith. We need an extra dose of God that day to help get us through uh, the, the struggle that we're going through. You know, and I, I've often wondered in my own head, and I know y'all probably don't think like this, but what would it have been like if we had been alive in biblical times? What if I was Peter? What if I saw what God did? What if I saw the miracles that he, that he uh, worked in so many lives? What if I heard the teachings and the preachings? Would I have denied Christ three times? Probably. Without a doubt. What if I was some of the other disciples? What if I was some of the prophets? What if I saw what, what if I saw that burning bush? You know, what if I saw that ark? Or what if I saw uh, some of the people that were raised from the dead through the disciples, through the power of God? Would I be so unbelieving today as I am? Probably so. You know, but it's, it's kind of funny, or it's kind of... Uh, I guess we, we like to place ourselves in our mind if, if we were back then, you know, I, I wouldn't have done that. You know, if I, if I had have walked with Jesus, if I'd have seen his ministry, if I'd have been beside him, if I'd have seen some of the miracles that he, that he worked, I, I wouldn't have failed like some of them did. I'd, I'd have been better. The problem is we wouldn't have. He's given us light tasks to do today, and we don't do them. It's just like me sitting back there not wanting to call out a name publicly because pride says I don't need to call out a name out loud. It's good enough for me to call it out in my head because who needs to know me and God? I pray for him every day. So, today, so tonight I want to talk to you about when your faith is shaken. And we'll be in 1 Kings. And the question I guess I want to pose to you uh, when your faith is shaken, or I guess I could have titled it uh, our shakable faith. Because none of us have a faith that is unshakable. Okay, it's all shakable. I wonder what it would be like to have an unshakable faith. I'm talking about a faith when you woke up, woke up every day, it didn't matter what crossed your path. You believed God was going to take care of it, and you knew he was going to handle it the best way it could be handled. Now, I know what I like to do, and I know there's none of y'all in here, but see, when a problem creeps up, I handle it until I can't handle it anymore. And then I go seek God's help. Anybody ever done that? We get out of control. You know, some of us are control freaks, and, and if there's a situation, we like to handle the situation, and then when the situation can't be handled by us, then we go to God. God's like our lifeline on that TV or that game show that used to be on TV. What about Enoch, who by faith was taken from this life so that he did not experience death? Uh, you know, God commended him as one who pleased God, and a man cannot please God without faith. Or Noah, who built the ark. When warned about things that have not yet been seen out of holy fear, built the ark and condemned the world because of his righteousness. Uh, and then think about Abraham, who basically hoped against hope. 
Romans 8, you can go over and look. He said he took a valuation of his body. God had promised him that, he, that, the, that his uh, offspring would be like the sand of the sea or the stars of the sky. He said he took a valuation of his body and it was as good as dead. He was 100 years old. And Romans says that he hoped against hope. But he believed God and he said he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God but was strengthened in his faith. He was fully persuaded that God could do what he had promised. And then Moses, who in faith, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of the Pharaoh's daughter and chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of the Egyptians in sin. He, regard, he, did, he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. If we're going to have an unshakable faith, if, we, if we're going to realize that our faith is not where it needs to be and we're going to need help, then we also need to realize this. John 16, said, and this is Jesus, he said, I've told you these things so that you may have peace, but in this world, the world we live in, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. In this world, you will have trouble, okay? Not might have trouble, probably have trouble. You will have trouble. So tonight, I want to look at uh, the story of Elijah. And I'm going to give you five points that may help you in your walk as far as your faith, uh, Stems. Let's look at 1 Kings 19. I'm going to read 1 through uh, the first part of 3. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, by, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. We need to understand who Elijah is. Elijah came into the scene about 1 Kings chapter 17. Okay, God had called him out to be a prophet. Ahab was the most crooked king, the most ungodly king that had reigned in Israel since they started having kings. Okay, Ahab disregarded God daily okay they worship Baal as their God so who is Elijah God calls Elijah in chapter 17 verse 1 to go find Ahab and it says now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe and Gilead said to Ahab as the Lord of the God of Israel lives whom I serve there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except by my word Elijah took God's word, and he spoke a famine, a drought, on that land that lasted for three and a half years, and it did not go away until Elijah commanded it to go away. In 17, he also, God also told Elijah to go hide. Okay, he knew he was in danger, so God feeds Elijah by the ravens. He tells him to go hide, and the, uh, then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kareth ravine, 
east of the Jordan, you will drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food. See, God protected Elijah. He also raised the Sidonian widow's son from dead. Uh, God had sent him to meet this woman. He told this, God had already directed this woman without her knowing it to feed Elijah. She had no food. She had just a little bit of flour that was enough for a loaf of bread and a little bit of oil for enough for a loaf of bread. And when Elijah comes to her and says, give me something to eat, she says, I have nothing. I have enough to make one little loaf. Me and my son are going to eat the bread, one loaf, and we're going to die. And Elijah told her, said, make me a loaf, and your flour jar will never go empty, and your oil jar will never run dry. And he stayed with them, and they always had food. The, the widow's son became sick, and he died. And he, she calls to Elijah, and Elijah goes to him, and he lays on him three times and calls out to God. And the boy's life returned to him. So Elijah was a man who God was working through during this particular time uh, in the Bible. Uh, in 18, Elijah, Elijah confronts Ahab again at the objection of Obadiah. Obadiah was a believer, uh, and he says, Haven't you heard, my Lord, what I did while Jezebel was killing the prophets of the Lord? I hid a hundred of the Lord's prophets in two caves, fifty in each, and supplied them with food and water. And now you tell me to go to my master and say, Elijah is here. He will kill me. And then Elijah defeats the prophets of Baal. Story that we all knew, we all know growing up. 450 prophets come out and they call out to their God all day long. Ahab's standing there, Jezebel's standing there, and basically Elijah mocks them. He lets them get done and then you know the story, he, he, he stacks the, the sacrifice on the altar uh, he wets it down, he wets it down, he wets it down a third time till the water fills the trenches up. And then it says, and then Elijah steps to the front, and he says, at the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are the God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me, so that these people will know that you, Lord, are God, and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. When all, this, the, when all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. Then Elijah commanded them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Don't let anyone get away. They seized them, and Elijah had them brought down to the Kishon Valley and slaughtered there. When our faith is shaken, I think there's five things that we need to keep in mind. Number one, we need to go to where we can meet God. We need to get along with God. In 1 Kings 19, 3 and 5, it says Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. 
All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Mount, Mount Horeb was where God spoke to Moses through the burning bush. Okay? Horeb is called the mountain of God. The Israelites worshipped at the mountain when, they, when, when Moses brought them out of, out of Egypt. God sent Elijah to that mountain so that he could be in a place where he could hear God. What do you do when your faith is shaken? The first thing I have to do, I have to go to my place where I can get along with God. It's different for everybody. Everybody has that special place they go to. When your faith is shaken, you go to where you can hear God. Secondly, um, you talk to God. In verses uh, 9 and 10, it says, And the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me. I go back to that first set of verses I, I read where Jezebel was so mad and said, I am going to kill you like you killed my 450 prophets. And it says Elijah was scared and he ran for his life. Here he's telling us, God's calling him out and saying, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? And he says, God, you know what I've done. I've been zealous for you. I mean, let's think about it, okay? I confronted Ahab. I raised that Sidonian widow's boy from the dead. You know what I did up there on the, on the side of the, the mountain with the, with the idol worshipers, and I put all of them to death like you told me to. I've been very zealous for you, and now here I am. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Can you feel the emotion in Elijah's voice? I mean, think about the self-pity. Do we ever wallow in self-pity? The self-pity sometimes gets the best of us. And we have to think about what Elijah's really saying, and I'm going to prove that he, what he's telling God is not the truth, okay? Uh, and I can say this because this is Wednesday night crowd, okay? Sometimes we overreact to our situation. Sometimes there's a little bit of an overreaction. Heaven forbid, we may even embellish the story a little bit. Have you ever thought, I must be the only one that has ever gone down this road? There is absolutely no way that this has ever happened to anybody else. No one has been through what we have. No one knows what I'm going through. Elijah said, I am the only one left. And they're trying to kill me. Go back to what I told you, and I'm going to read you this verse again. When Elijah confronted Ahab the first time. Obadiah begged him not to. Obadiah was a believer. Obadiah told him, Elijah, I don't know if you know this, but when, when Jezebel's been putting all these believers to death, I hid a hundred faithful believers, 50 in each cave, and I've been sneaking and feeding them each day. 
and they're still alive. Obviously, Elijah forgot that because he's the only one left and they're trying to kill him. No, actually, there are 102 left that he knows about because there's 100 in the caves and he's got Obadiah and himself, so there are 102 strong. Sometimes when we talk to God, we need to just be honest. And here's the kicker. And sometimes it takes us a little bit to understand and realize this. There's no need to embellish. There's no need to wallow in self-pity. There's no need to exaggerate. There's actually literally no need to lie. God already knows. He already knows what we're going through. He knows the situation we're in. He knows what we're dealing with. Just talk honest. Just lay it out. Be frank. And tell him what's, what's on your heart. Tell him what's on your mind. Go to where you can meet God. Number two, talk to God. And then number three, Listen for God to speak. In 11 and 13, the Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore through the mountains, tore, tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? You know, like, a, like Elijah that day, a lot of us expect or wish or hope to experience God talking to us or his manifestation to be some type of a spectacular occurrence, some, some huge event, something that just stops us in our tracks so that we know for sure that that was God speaking to us. But oftentimes God seeks the private road of faith and the openness of our heart to hear that gentle, small whisper that he uses. That whisper is always precise. It's always clear. It's always undeniable. But I think too often we, we look for God in the earthquake or we look for God in the fire. We look for God in the wind that tears the mountains apart. That's what we want to see, but most times it's that gentle whisper, that still small voice where he speaks. God often reveals, uh, God's word often, often uh, comes to us in ways that we do not expect. And a lot of times it comes in circumstances that we don't fully understand until we get through them and then we look backwards and we see how God's working. However, God's word always comes with clarity and preciseness. Uh, that we need when we are searching for it. The third thing we need to do is listen to God. There's a difference between hearing God and listening to God. Have you ever heard something but you didn't really listen? I do it all the time. I got hearing problems anyway. Uh, I got selective hearing problems and I have actual hearing problems. So there's a lot of times that I hear stuff 
but I'm not really listening, okay? So when we go to God, when we get in our place, and we talk to God, we need to actually hear God. We need to actually listen to God. We need to actually understand what He's saying. And then fourthly, uh, we need to hear God when He speaks. God told Elijah, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Haziel, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel, Mahola, to succeed you as prophet. And yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and all whose mouths have not kissed him. Elijah did what God asked. He went back that way, and we read on over in, the, in Kings. We know that, that he, he chooses Elijah. He, he anoints him as his succeeding prophet, and he trains him, and Elijah follows him diligently for the next several years. So we, need to, we hear God when he speaks. And then lastly, we heed God's command. Elijah was faithful to continue to follow God's command and see what happened. In 1919, 1 Kings 19:19, it says, So Elijah went from there and found Elisha. And then if we go on over to 2 Kings 2, it's when Elijah is taken to heaven by a whirlwind. A lot of people say a chariot of fire. Elijah knew he was going to be taken. And when he talked to Elijah, he said, Elijah, tell me one thing I can do for you before God takes me. And Elijah asked this one thing. He said, give me a double portion of what you have. Give me double. And Elijah said, you ask a hard thing, but I'll tell you this, if you see me when God takes me, then it, so it will be. The chariot of fire and the horses of fire come down and separate Elisha from Elijah. And Elijah is taken to heaven in a whirlwind. The Bible says that Elisha saw it and he picked up his cloak. And from there, you know the story about Elijah. And then in, in Malachi 4 and 5, Malachi prophesied that, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord. We know that Malachi was prophesying about John the Baptist, okay? Many confused John the Baptist with Elijah. They thought Elijah had come back. Uh, Mark 9, Elijah appeared with Moses at the transfiguration. God blessed Elijah when he walked the earth and after he was taken to glory. You know, things just seemed to work out when we heed God's commands. When God tells us to do something and we actually do it His way, it's just it's amazing how it just seems to work out. And it worked out for, for Elijah. The, uh, so how are we supposed to relate? I mean, I, I know what you're saying. You're saying, well, Tony, we talked about this at the beginning, and we're not Elijah. We're not a prophet. We're not a disciple. We're not a we're not an apostle. We didn't see Christ. We didn't, we didn't talk to God. I mean, we didn't have visions and dreams, and we didn't see all the miracles, and, and we didn't have the power that these people, that 
people had in the Bible. So how are we actually in, in 2021, how are we supposed to relate to a man like Elijah? You flip over to James, and James says in chapter 5, verse 17, Elijah was a man just like us. Elijah was a man just like us. Let me ask you this, and we're done. What are you doing here tonight? God asked Elijah twice in this little set of verses, Elijah, what are you doing here? And he had no answer. What are you doing here tonight? Have you gone to where you can meet God? Are you talking honestly about your struggles with God? Without embellishing, without exaggerating, without lying? I mean, God already knows. He knows what we're going through. Talk honestly. And are you listening for God to speak? Oftentimes, we lay this big laundry list out on God and ask him to do all these things that we need, but yet we never take the time to just be still and listen for him to speak. How do you know what he's going to say if you don't take the time to hear what he's trying to tell you? And then third, fourthly, are you equipped to hear God when he speaks? I have no doubt that every one of us in here at some point in time has heard God speak. It probably wasn't through an audible voice. It was probably through that small, quiet voice that I talked about, that gentle whisper. And he probably spoke directly to your heart. And when he spoke, you had no doubt that it was God Almighty speaking to you. And sometimes we do what he says. We heed his command. You know, we, we talked about the lost. You know, we pray for the lost. And we hope somebody goes and shares the gospel with them. But, you know, it could be, maybe it's us that goes and shares. Maybe God's talking to us to go across the street to that neighbor we called out, to that friend that we work with, to that family member. And then we talk to God and we embellish the story and we say, well, God, you know, I'm not a good talker and I don't know the Bible. Guess what? God will tell you what to say. He'll give you what you need. He'll equip you with the tools that you need to share the gospel. And then lastly, are you willing to do what he asks? Have you gone to where you meet God? Are you talking honestly with God? Are you listening for God to speak? And can you hear what he says? And then are you willing to do what he asks? That's the big question. Elijah was. But are we? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the night, Lord. I thank you for the opportunity to be here. Father, I pray for Brother Shannon as he's away, God, that you would just bless him with uh, rest. And Lord, I pray for safe travels back. Lord, I thank you for the night. I thank you for the story of Elijah. And God, I just pray that something that was said possibly struck a nerve with someone, Lord. And I pray, God, that as we leave here tonight, we would take what we have read, what we have heard, what we have talked about, and apply it to our life as it is needed. Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for watching over us. We thank you for all the blessings that you bestow upon us. And I ask and I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.